0: So what I'm going to talk about this morning is this. I'm going to talk about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through verse 20. I can't cover every single verse. I'll be skipping a few of those. But what I'm going to talk about is this. Is that your life, the Christian life, can be messy. It can be messy. The world we live in is messy. So the question is, how do you live as a Christ follower when your life is messy and the world is messy? We're going to answer that question. I'm going to give you five ways That we do that. And that's the message this morning. So the message is, how can you walk through life with Jesus in a messy world? Now, the Apostle Paul, if you were here before, where was he at? He was in, you know, where Paul was at when he wrote this letter. He was in prison. He was in the big house. Okay, he was in the, he was in the slammer. He was not in God's house. He was he was in the jail house. So he was in the big house. So you think his life was a little bit messy when the when the founding pastor is writing the letter from jail, awaiting his death there. Yeah, he had a kind of a messy life. So don't think that your messy life is unique. Paul's life was very messy here. So when I say messy life, I just want to take a moment and qualify what I'm talking about here. So what I'm talking about is you can be sincerely following Jesus, but struggling. You can be sincerely following Jesus, be well-intentioned, but be falling or be failing. You can be weak. You can be weary. You can be worn out. You could be following Jesus, but been in a relationship there where your heart was, was crushed, your heart was crushed in a million pieces there and someone no longer loves you anymore. That's messy. How do you follow Jesus when that happens? I'm talking about people that have been in dating relationships. Maybe the dating apps just aren't working or the meetups aren't quite meeting up right there and so the relationship didn't strike gold. You were hoping that would be it, but the first time around and you know you broke up there and you're dealing with the aftermath of that. That's messy. How do you follow Jesus? I'm talking about you're maybe unemployed or the dream job didn't happen or you have no job. That can be messy. Life can be messy. I'm talking about messy health. Like we have health problems. You hang around long enough, you're going to have health issues there. So I'm talking about messy parenting. I mean, my phone is getting blown up with messy parenting issues. If you only knew, like it's just getting blown up with text messages about messy parenting. Life can be messy. I'm talking about messy marriages. I'm talking about people that they're struggling. Maybe separation is in the talk. Maybe divorce is surface in the conversation. But life can be messy. I'm talking about the young man or the young woman who wants to follow Jesus, but they're depressed and they have thought about suicide. And all those things are here. All those things are here in this church. I'm talking about the woman who's following Jesus but can't be here because she has health issues, maybe uh, fibromyalgia, arthritis, whatever. Can't be here. I'm talking about life can be messy. And we looked in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and said that you are God's masterpiece. But how many people sometimes feel more like God's train wreck Then God's masterpiece. You don't have to raise your hands, but you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And so, what we're going to talk about this morning, beginning in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through verse 20, is that very subject. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are gathered here in community. That it's not by accident that we, were, we are here, that you designed that we would be here. We, it's an honor to gather in your house and to stand before you, the one who stands exalted for all time, who is like no other. And you gave your life for us as a ransom for many, that we could be right with you. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to us as we open the Scripture, breathed by you and inspired by you. We pray that you would speak that which has been spoken that the Spirit of God would enlighten the Word of God, that everyone here would be built up and leave here saying that you are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. It says, Therefore... Therefore, connecting what was in the back to what now is present here. Why is it therefore? Because it's connecting. It's connecting a word here. And he says, imitate God. Like trying to imitate God is no joke. Is anybody with me? Try, I mean, come on, you need some mojo to imitate God. You need some power to imitate God. That is a towering goal there. What a big request. Almost sounds a little crazy to imitate God. Well, it says, therefore, imitate God, therefore, in everything. Well, what is it, therefore? It's there because of verse 31 and 32. If we can go back to that, the scriptures are on the screens. Here's why. Preceding that verse says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. This was written to the church. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Be imitators of God. So in the original language, there's no divisions there. just continues with that, be imitators of God. Sort of a big request, huh? Kind of a big request, be imitators of God. Well, therefore, to get rid of bitterness... And to get rid of harshness, to get rid of evil behavior, to have, to be tenderhearted, to be kind, to forgive one another, what do you have to do? You have to imitate God, right? I mean, how else are you going to do that? So it says, let us imitate God in our dealings with one another. We're invited by God to imitate God. God. Now we get that, right? Like kids imitate, kids copy, kids watch you when they're little, ignore you when you're old. But, so, but each one of us is called to be chips off the old block. The apple doesn't fall very far from the tree spiritually is what it's saying here. So how can we imitate God? Well, first of all, you were made in his image, okay? In his likeness, you were made to be like him. So what I want to do is take off the mental, the mental menu Is this. I can't imitate God. Oh, yes, you can. If you're a Christ follower, you were designed to imitate God. And so we don't imitate him through all of our effort and striving and trying harder. That's not what it's talking about here. Okay, you imitate him because, it's conditional, you are his children. So let's unpack that for a moment there. A child cannot help... But imitate their father, if they love their father. They can't help but imitate them. So children will naturally become what they behold. Huh? Is that true? They'll become what they behold. Thank you. And so they will emulate what they admire. That's how kids are. So he says, look, as God's dear children, as you spend time with him, as you admire him, you will, you will emulate him. As you behold him, you will behave like him. You'll begin to, to have these qualities within your life here. When it says imitate, it literally means this. It means take on the image of. Take on the image of. When it's saying imitate, means I am taking on the very image of of God. We're going to talk about how that can happen. So when you spend time with your Heavenly Father, you'll begin to look like Him. He's loving so you can be loving. He's truthful so you can be truthful. He's patient so you can be patient. How we just read last week, forgive one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you, imitating His forgiveness there. So but there is a, a condition that we are as dear children. So you can imitate God because... You're his sons and you're his daughters. You can imitate him because you've, you've been bought back, you've been purchased, you've been redeemed by his blood, you've been saved by his grace, you've been filled with his spirit. You're partakers of his very nature, the very nature of God. I'm just reviewing. This is what we've talked about the last uh, few weeks. We are the temple of God. Christ, we talked about, dwells in your hearts. So you can imitate God. See, you have a new father, you have new citizenship, you have a new nature, you have have a new purpose there, you have a new calling, you have a new standing with God. You are fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. So can you imitate God? That was absolutely weak. Can you imitate God? You can imitate God. Yes, you can. So you can do this. So remove from your mind then the thought, the notion that I can't imitate God. Yes, you can. You can and you need to believe that you can imitate God. You were designed by God to imitate God as a follower of God. So you need to accept this possibility and believe it, that the desire that you have to be like your heavenly father was instilled and downloaded into you by God, and you're just allowing that to come to expression in this life. So then you say things and you do things, and his very nature begins to to creep out or express itself in your personality. And so you follow in his footsteps, And so it says here in verse 2, continue, I'm sorry, you're in your notes, let us imitate or reflect God in our dealings with others. In your notes, let us reflect God or imitate God in our dealings with others. You can do that. Verse 2, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I want to camp there for a moment about this whole idea about a pleasing aroma to God. Do we have any coffee drinkers in the house? Do we have any coffee drinkers in the house? By a show of hands, come on, get them up. All right, we got a few coffee drinkers in the house. So I want to talk about that a mo- for a moment because would you say that coffee is a nice aroma in the morning? Come on, somebody. Nice aroma. Would you say you love that aroma? You love that smell. You love that it's like your own little fireplace. Like every day. You you we line up in Starbucks and we pay five bucks for this little thing of coffee. We love the aroma. We love the, the whole thing. So you can relate to that an aroma. How many people you have favorite smells? Okay, one of my favorite smells is the beach. Anybody love the smell of the beach? How many love the smell of a fresh rain? Come on, get them up. How do you you love the smell of a fresh new car? I love that smell. How, I hate the smell of my old truck, but I love a fresh smell. You love the smell. You love the smell of baking bread, cookies. Come on, come on. All right, that's what I'm talking about. You love the smell of a fresh cut Christmas tree. You, we love the, you, you can relate to that. There are smells. You just, you love the smell. All that to say this, God has certain smells that he loves. And what is the smell that God loves? God loves the the aroma, the exquisite fragrance of the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross for us. He loves that fragrance because of the love that was expressed there. Live a life filled with love. Okay, all right, I got, what does that look like? Following the example of Christ. And how did he love us? See, here's the aroma that God loves. You wanna know the scent of Oh, I, look at my children, loving one another like Christ loved it. Oh, I love that. Let me smell that beautiful fragrance there. See, that's how God loves to smell that fragrance when he sees that in our marriages, in our families, okay, in the workplace. When he sees us loving the community, God loves that. Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another there. So the action of sacrificial love is pleasing to God and he's pleased with the aroma of that to ascend to the Almighty. So I wanna say this here in closing the point, I wanna say this, don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed that God is shaping you to be a loving person, a person that has the love of God within you. Never be ashamed of that. So in your notes, point number two, walk humbly when life is messy in love in love. Okay. So verse three says this, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Do you think those things were pre- prevalent in the church? Why did you bring that up? Because they were doing those things. It's prevalent. Such sins have no place Among God's people, he's saying, hey, we need to hit the reset button right here. We need to hit the reset button because let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. And I get it. I get it that in culture, this could read, let there be every kind of sexual immorality, every kind of impurity, and greed gone wild. I get that. I get that. It seems a little like prudish, whatever, to say what this says here. But what this is saying is this any kind of sexual immorality because it uniquely damages you to the deepest level of your being in ways that nothing else does. Let there be no sexual immorality because it impacts you like nothing else impacts you, like no other sin impacts you. So who's going to tell you the truth but your creator that actually created you? And so people say, you know, they push back. Hey, you know what? I thought it was an alternate lifestyle. No, it's immorality. I, you know, well, she's like, I mean, she's like hot. It's immorality, doesn't matter. She, so, but we're married in God's eyes. I assure you, you were not married in God's eyes, okay? I assure you. So he says, let there be no sexual immorality. So God, in his infinite wisdom, it is immeasurable love that we can't even comprehend looks down at us and says, because I love them, I'm going I'm to put some loving limitations there. I'm going to put some loving limitations right there. And I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a loving timetable there. I'm going to put a loving timetable there because I know what's best for them. So that's what he's talking about right here. Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So what do you do with that? So live or walk as children of light. So how important is light? How important is light? Is light important? Just think about this in your life, in your in your life. Think about how important the life is. Aren't you glad when you go to the doctor and you're gonna have surgery that the doctor doesn't work in the dark? I've been on the table a few times, and when I've walked on the table under my own power here, and I am delighted that the doctor does not work in the dark when he cut on my leg, or fixed my nose, or other when I broke it, or things like that. And so, what if you were to get up on the operating table and you could barely see, and you said, "Hey, doc, you know, uh, how come we're doing the surgery in the dark?" And he said, "Well, you know, there's a little mood lighting over there in the corner. a Little mood, would, you, would that comfort you? That would be very comforting. Let's see, you you want bright light? I mean, I'm in front of you here this morning." And I can't hide, you know, I can't, you know, hide behind the microphone. It's like, I am here in full, full, really full light. Trust me, it's full light. I can barely see. Thank you. And so, but I don't want mood lighting. I want the full light. This verse says, you were once, in other words, you're a Christ follower. Your story without exception is you were in darkness. My story was, I was in darkness, you were in darkness. That is our story. But now, that's what you once were. But now, you are light in Christ. So we're going to unpack that a little bit here. Because 1 John chapter 1 says, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what keeps you from having the light? What keeps you from shining? What causes the light to be dimmed within you? How do you know when you're walking in darkness? There are ways you can can self-diagnose when you're walking in darkness. And I'm going to show you how. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis where there is God with Adam and Eve uh, walking with them. There's no sin nature. They're pure before God. And then they fall. And then there's distinct characteristics that come to expression after the fall that shows when you're in darkness. And so when God called out to Adam after the fall into sin and he's in darkness, what does Adam do? He goes straight into what? He goes straight into hiding. He's go, he, thinks, he thinks like he can hide behind this microphone and like God's not going to see him, you know. So, so, we're, so let's unpack this here. So he answers, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. See, there are a dominant characteristic of darkness as you go into hiding. That's what he did. And things have never changed. That nature is, is in mankind now. So darkness is when you're in the space where you've got something to hide. One of the ways that you know that you're in darkness is there is just those things, something that you are hiding from other people. Maybe it's something that you're doing that you go to great lengths, great lengths so that nobody else will find out. And so there you are on the internet and there you clear all the history because we've got something to hide there. We don't want anybody to know what we were looking at there. So we're going to hide that. Do you think perhaps you're in darkness when you're doing that? How many people ever watch Shark Tank? Watch Shark Tank. I've been watching Shark Tank a little bit. All these brilliant billionaires uh, uh, talking about investments and do they want to invest in these people's ideas. Well last week there was a guy on the show and he had this new app for your phones and the app was that you could hide your text messages from your spouse. So you could have an affair. This is what he's selling to them. You can have an affair and you can hide well, through this app. You can hide all the text messages to that person. Then they expanded to have business applications, but you get the point there. So people have things to hide. Don't, you don't, want, don't want to read the text message. Do you think perhaps you're in the darkness when you got to hide these, all these text messages? Okay, I think so. And so... You can't hide in the light, though, right? You can't hide. I can't hide from you guys, like I expressed there. And so again, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to do what? They began to blame, to blame one another here. So in darkness, part of the darkness, part of the fall is blame-shifting entered into the human race. Blame-shifting. Let me explain that. One of the ways that you walk in the light, because Jesus is in the light, is that you own your own life. You own your own life. You own the decisions that you make. You own your stuff. But when you're in the dark, you don't do that. How often we want to blame people because we live in a blame culture. So I want to blame you for my rotten life. I want to blame my dad. I want to blame my parents. I want to blame my first spouse. And so how is God ever going to really get through to you and work within you when you're always blaming everybody else and not taking responsibility? Well, where does that come from? Well, we read in the scripture there when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they began to what? To it's the the Adam what happened? It's the woman, all about the woman that you God gave me, it's her fault. Do you see what happened? Blame shifting now has entered into the human race. See, when there was darkness and sin, blame shifting. It's her fault, his fault. And so, oh, it's the bank's fault. It's 1%, 99%. We're always blaming darkness. And so in your notes there, walk in the light, no matter how messy life gets, walk in the light there. Now he's going to give examples of what this looks like and amplify this in verse 9. For this light within you, what does it do? How does it come to expression? What does it produce? God's light within you does this. Okay, produces only what is good and right and true. So when you're the children of light and God fills you with his light, you walk in the light as he is in the light. Then comes to expression. There's goodness, fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, fruit of the spirit there. And so good... Literally means behavior that benefits others. Behavior, you're living your life good. There's a goodness here. You're just you're benefiting others. Not taking advantage of them, not doing wrong. You're benefiting others. Goodness there. And so there's it says right or righteous, right living before God. When you're walking in the light, you have right living before God. And then he says true. People of truth, people that are truth tellers, we talked about that last week. They're walking in the light in honesty and integrity. That's what it is to walk in the light. Now verse 10. And carefully examine what pleases the Lord. How many people know that it's difficult to please people? Come on. It's difficult to please people. How many people here Monday morning, you wake up, you're gonna try to please some people, beginning with me. All right, I like to please people. Really, I've, I've got to try to please people. So you live in this world of trying to please people, trying to make everyone happy that you can't make happy. Have you learned that you can't make everyone happy? No matter how hard you try, you can't make them all happy. So this says here, now, living your life going forward as a Christ follower, you got to figure out what it is to please God and then to please God. So Christ followers in Ephesus, they were living like this we'll kind of live however we want and then we'll sprinkle a little Jesus on there and that's good enough. Paul was saying, no, that's not good enough. That's not how you live here. God wants a little something more substantial than living however you want, sprinkle a little, go to church on Sunday or do your thing and give a little bit and and think that, that God is pleased with that. No, there's more than that. You please God by putting him first. You please God by imitating him You please God by having a a relationship with him that's expressed in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so you please God by doing God's will, by obeying him. You please God by pursuing your calling. You please God by walking in light, walking in love. So let's continue that thought, pleasing God. Take no part, verse 11 on the screens, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil, because it's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be... I just, gotta, I just have to say something. So I'm doing. I'm preparing my message, and I see this old preacher, Jimmy Swaggart. Have you ever heard of Jimmy Swaggart? He, he, was, he was a very renowned preacher back in the day. And there was a little video on Jimmy Swaggart. And, I'm, and so I thought, ah, Jimmy Swaggart. I want to learn about Jimmy Swaggart. So I clicked it on. And I began to watch it. And after about two minutes, I couldn't watch it anymore. It was beginning to violate my conscience. Uh, learning about, I was, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to hear about his life. And, and, and I stopped about two minutes into an 11-minute video. I uh, said, that's, that's all that I really, you know, I don't want to know about the worthless deeds of evil. He says, look, take no part, because you can take part in them by, by watching stuff. Not just that you do it, not just as you do it, but you're watching it. Oh, and you and, and you would, maybe would never do that. But you're enjoying watching somebody else do that. It says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil. For it's shameful, even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. And I, and I realize like this is something that this guy did in secret. I don't want to know about it here. So verse 13, but with evil intentions will be exposed. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, awake, O sleeper, there in Ephesus. Rise up from your spiritual deadness, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So in your notes there, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Proverbs says, puts it this way. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Well, what does that look like and what does that mean? Well, wisdom is having the right application for the right information. Well, what is the information? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, what does it mean to fear God? It means that to know that I'm accountable to God. I'm... God is the judge, and God will judge me someday. So that affects how I look at God here. So when was the last time you did something or didn't do something because of the fear of God? Because the fear of God became real to you. See, we live in the fear of men. The fear of men is, well, what will they think, or what are they going to, how are they going to react? See, that's the fear of men. What you're going to think, and your frown, and your reaction. Oh, if I do that, they might get mad at me, or how? See, that's the fear of men. This says, live in the fear of God which is living concerned about God's reactions. How is, what's God going to think if I do that or don't do that? So God's fearing God's authority because God's the judge of all the earth there. And he has the authority to pronounce judgment over our lives for good or for evil. Yes, he is a loving God, but also he is a God who will bring judgment. And so seeing that is beginning to walk in wisdom. How many people know that'll change the way you walk if you live in that reality there? I fear maybe God breaking God's heart. I fear maybe what, the, the judgment that could come. And so, so when you tell God, hey, God, this is my life, and I'll live however I want to live, not for you to tell me how to live. That's what the Bible says is being a fool that's walking in foolishness when you do whatever you want to do there. And so a wise person understands the nature of time. Some of your translations read in Ephesians 5:16, redeeming the time, redeeming the time because the days are evil there. So how do you know when you're walking in wisdom? When you realize the time is not endless. When you realize that you recognize that what is most important, what matters most, and what is not important there, and I don't have time to do everything. That's wisdom coming to expression there. The psalmist said this in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us then to number our days, O God, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Watch. In the numbering of your days, you gain a heart of wisdom. When you recognize that your days are numbered, teach us to number our days, and when I do that, I only have so many days, that points me toward wisdom. And rather, whether or not you want to number your days, your days are numbered. You have no option. And so why wouldn't you then recognize my days are numbered and that will affect how I live? So you, re- you realize, you give calendar time to the most important things. So wisdom then is prioritizing the most important things in life, prioritizing them from God's perspective. You see, wisdom is doing what God wants me to do. Here's wisdom. You realize that there's a moment that matters in life, a moment that matters in life, and you start living differently, where you're awakened to the fact that this moment is not going to repeat itself, and I need to, to capitalize, I need to take advantage of this opportunity. This is a God moment here teach us then to take advantage of those moments. So a friend of mine who has four sons and they're all married, and they're all young in their marriages with about 11 grandchildren was sharing the story that At their 40th anniversary, at their 40th anniversary, what they did is to take advantage of an opportune time is they stopped and they paused. And they says, we want to talk to you, our four sons and daughters-in-law, we want to talk to you about what we learned about marriage over 40 years. Over 15 minutes, the wife spoke, and I don't know how long the, the dad spoke, but just pouring out wisdom. Okay, realize this is an opportunity. We're not going to have all of them here together again like this at a 40th anniversary. We're going to share with you all the wisdom that we can give you about marriage. See, that's taking advantage of the time. That's knowing that the time doesn't go on forever. And you only have so many moments there, so much time. A wise person understands this, the nature of time. So in your notes there, a wise person knows what to do with the opportunity. That story I just shared was leveraging the opportunity. So why would you put off till tomorrow what God is asking you of today? That's not fearing God. That's not being wise. That's being foolish. God makes it real to you. You need to be about this today. I'll take my time. I'll do it later. Fool. Fool. Wise is, oh, I got to number my days. I only have so many days. Yeah, I got to have a heart of wisdom. Okay, yes, I need to be about that. So sometimes when you're kind of in a coasting mode there, and it, it could, be, could be that you're not really redeeming time. It doesn't mean to be hyper and intense about everything. It's not talking about that. It's realizing that a wise person just understands there's only so much time, understanding that time is short. And so understands that. I can't go back and fix the past, the brokenness of the past, but... I can still do something. I can start where I am, and I can change the ending. See, that's wisdom. I can change the ending there. So verse 18 says this. Now, don't be drunk with wine. Do you think they were getting drunk with wine? Do you think they were getting drunk with wine? Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's that look like? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart, not just in church, but in your heart. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because life is messy, we need to walk in the Spirit. You know, it's walk in the Spirit. So he says here, don't be drunk with wine. That's going to wreck your life. Be filled be filled, be filled. What does that mean? It means be being filled. Think about that. Be being filled. Continuous, ongoing activity. Be being filled. In other words, be filled with the Holy Spirit, something that needs to happen every day. Hmm. Sometimes we want our theology to be so neatly packaged at all. And I don't think it's always so neatly packaged. I'm going to illustrate it this way. Back to our co- coffee lovers. we got some coffee lovers in the house, yeah? Okay, so I go, to, I go to have coffee. I don't, drink, I don't drink coffee. I don't have hot chocolate. I'm drinking coffee with my buddies. And so they keep, the waitress keeps coming by or the food server, and they keep topping it off. You know what I'm talking about? Top, you want to top off? And so it just got in my head. Top off. Like every few minutes, you want to top off? Sure, I'll take another top off. Top it off. Top it off. Top it off. Top it off. And during breakfast, just keep topping the thing off there. Three minutes later, top it off. And so, anyway, so what, what is my point? My point is this. This is next time that your coffee is topped off. Be reminded that God wants to top you off with his Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. God wants to be being filled. God wants be being filled. You you gotta get that, be being filled. Continuous activity of being filled there. It is a calling to be spirit full there. It's a calling where every step of your journey, God wants your cup, you, to be topped off with his Holy Spirit. That's what it's saying there. Okay, to be filled overflowing. And so I believe that part of learning how to follow Jesus in this journey is about this very thing I'm talking about right here. Where you come to the conclusion, Holy Spirit, I want you to top me off again. I need you. I need your fullness. I need your Holy Spirit. I need you. I prayed this prayer just yesterday doing a funeral. I was feeling a little uneasy. I was feeling a little uncomfortable about it. And I I was prepared and ready to go. But I was just feeling uneasy. And so I just been, God, just. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me speak the things these people need to hear. And so, but just the dependency there on the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many of us, and there are some here, that you once walked in the Spirit, but you need to be topped off. And maybe you need to be asked to be topped off. Some people here, you look at your life there, and you say, you know what? I was, yes, I was I was full. I was walking in the spirit. Boy, do I ever need to be topped off. So by the way, I'm going to give this cup away. I'm going to give this cup away to anybody that would come up here and just get this cup to stand up from where you're at. If someone wants to stand up and get the cup, that's what I'm talking about. I think he's pulled his hammy. Are you Okay you pull your hand me on that one? Okay. <laughs> Verse 19 says this. You say, how do you know if I'm walking in the Spirit? Verse 19 says, speaking to one another. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you're not like this crazy person. It says here, you, you have crazy joy, and that's another message. But it says here that you're speaking to one another changes how you speak. You ever think of that? That when you're full of God's Spirit, it changes how you speak. It's right there in your Bible. Speaking to one another, looking on the screens, it's right there. Speaking to one another, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's going to change. You're going to have spirit filled speech there. So the way that we speak shows your spirit filling, it shows your spirit filling. The way you text message, the way you email shows if you're sp- filled with the Spirit. So, how do we speak to, with, to people? And then it it continues there. It just doesn't say speech, also your worship. How we worship. Okay, we talk about this often. Worship is responding to God with all that we are, all that he's done with all that we are. And so we don't believe that worship is like some warm-up for like the big event. Like it's like, let's get to the big event. No, worship is the big event. Worship is the main thing here. Worship is where the action is at. So, if you came, you went to some church that says, Well, we kind of we, we worship so we can get all warmed up for the word. Uh, it's not in the book. It's nowhere in the book, okay? We don't worship to get warmed up for the word. In fact, we worship after the word. It is the main event. So, it should be the main event of our lives here. And so, um, we speak, showing we're filled with the Spirit. We worship, showing we're filled with the Spirit. And so, I'm here to tell you that worship is more than just what you speak. It is your song here. So the reality of Christ are simply too awesome that it just comes to expression in your speaking, but also in, in the worship of your life. And then also it says in your gratitude, spirit-filled gratitude, giving thanks. Not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Romans says in Romans eight fourteen, as many as are led by God's Spirit. Like, this is normative. Just normative. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And expand that. They're the sons and daughters of God being led. And so, this is the word of the Lord, and we are done. So, we are going to take a moment to have a prayer, and then we're we're going to sing. We're going to sing. So, I'm going to ask you to... Sing as if you're a Christ follower,s though you are filled with His Spirit. And so, Father, thank you so much for Your Word, really a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Although life is messy, You are real, and we revel in the mighty power, the person of Jesus. And thank you that you're teaching us now how to live in, in the world. When our lives get messier, the world is, is a mess. Father, I pray that you continue to speak to us as we gather around the scriptures the next few weeks to finish Ephesians. Father, I pray that you would help us to walk in the Spirit, to imitate God, to walk in wisdom, to walk in the light and that the aroma of our love for one another would ascend to you. That you, oh God, would top us off again by your Holy Spirit. So if you're here this morning between you and God, between you and God, not anyone else, not for your neighbor or your friend or spouse or kids or parents, but for you. You're here this morning and you need to say to God, God, I need a fresh indwelling of your spirit. I need you to top me off again. For others, it may be the very first time. You're here this morning with our heads bowed, and our eyes closed. You never begun the journey that we're talking about, the journey of following Jesus. This is a journey that's the most important journey in your life. Perhaps you've never said, to God, I, I want to follow you. And if that's you and you want to say yes to God, you want to say, I want to walk in the light. Man, I, that was me. I've, I've been in the darkness. I've been hiding. And that, that's you. You say, I want to walk in wisdom. Yeah, and here and there, I, I, I've i been a fool. I've been honoring you. I've been fearing you. If you're here and you say, I, I want to walk in the Spirit, that's never happened because Jesus has never happened to me. So if that's you and you want to You want to begin the journey today and you want to follow God? Just right now pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving your life for me. I now give my life for you. Thank you for dying for me. I believe in you, your life, your death, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sin and fill me With the Holy Spirit, I take Jesus as my Savior. In Jesus' name.